Hey, this is Kent Clothier, and I am your host of the Time Is Now podcast. If you're looking to improve your business, improve your life, went raw, uncut, and uncensored, you're in the right place. Let's do this. Hey, hey, what's happening, guys? I'm uh, joined today by a very good friend of mine, Mr. Tommy Thornburg. Tommy, what's happening, brother? How we doing? Thank you for having good, me. Good, man. Good, man. I'm, uh, I'm excited uh, because we get to talk about the sexiest topic on the planet, corporate structure. I mean, I don't know that we could have ever thought of a better better topic to be talked about. And all, all kidding aside, look, um, you and your partners over there, Steve, everybody over there at Prime, you guys are, are experts. You handle a, a lot of this for a lot of different variety of companies all over the, the country, uh, including a lot of our uh, tribe here. And I thought it was important because I just think this is a, a topic that is largely, um, I don't even want to say ignored, probably misunderstood is probably the, the single biggest thing. I don't think that people really understand uh, the value of kind of starting with the end in mind, if you will, and really mapping out uh, what um, you what you're trying to do as an organization, and then ultimately backing into what is the best corporate structure that serves that not for, for a multitude of reasons, which I'll, I'm sure we'll get into, but um, clearly there are tax advantages to some of this, but there's e- equally some legal advantages, some, some insulary benefits to being structured correctly. And I think as, as new, especially in the real estate space, as uh People are in the in the weeds of it. They just this is an easy, easy topic to kind of glaze over and kind of believe that you're not vulnerable, or maybe it's something that kind of gets put on the back burner. And I think you and I both understand perfectly that that is nothing that's further from the truth than that. That this needs to be something that people pay attention to. And so that's the reason I want you to come on here, man. I just want to talk about it. I want to have a conversation about it. I want to kind of break it down for people on exactly why this this matters, right? And kind of what the perfect structure is for people that are out there. So why don't you give everybody a little bit of your background and then we'll kind of jump into some stuff. Yeah, I love it. Thank you. And I, I think you hit it right on the nail as far as when it's important and why it's important, because it's it's not about where you are right now. It's always about where you're going to be in one year, three years, five years, 10 years. And that's really what we try and help people understand is that roadmap of crawling before you walk and walking before you run from a asset protection and from a tax saving standpoint. But a little bit about me. My name's Tommy Thornburg. I'm the president over here at Prime Corporate Services. My partner, like Kent said, is Steve Harward. Um, It was nice. We were able to attend the Scale and Escape event recently. and, And that was awesome. I'm happy that that happened before so that I could talk to a lot of the tribe and a lot of the boardroom members about questions that they had. I think it would be good to address some of those. Um, but Prime Corporate Services, we've we've been in business for 10 years now. And over those 10 years, we've helped over 100,000 entrepreneurs structure their business. So two massive milestones that have been amazing for us to hit as an organization, two things we're very, very proud of. But we focus around entity structuring So asset protection, tax minimization from a structure standpoint, business credit development 
how to build a separate credit profile for your business, uh, tax preparation and tax filing. It's not about how much you make. It is all about how much you're able to keep in your corner. Amen, baby. And last but not least, overall estate planning. How to protect that legacy, protect your why for the long-term growth of what you're working for now. So let's talk, let's let's kind of jump into some of this because you know, as you mentioned, I mean, you you deal with it every day. I deal with it every day. What are what are you know? Clearly, if you had to, if you were sitting down with uh, let's just do, use a scenario. You're sitting down with an experienced guy or girl, been in the business now for 10 plus years. They are flipping a lot of properties. They're probably holding on to a lot of rentals. Could be single family, you know, tenant properties could even be self-storage, you know, different type of asset classes. What are some of the common things when you guys step in, you know, the common questions, the, the common, you know, misconceptions um, that you guys are able to kind of help the help these people navigate and get cleaned up pretty quickly. And then we'll talk about the brand new person just kind of getting started. Sure. Yeah, I think that uh, I think a great place to start where we really try and start is what do you already have in place? Right. I can't tell you how many times we've had a conversation with someone where they say, oh, no, from an entity standpoint, I'm totally taken care of. Matter of fact, I'm probably overstructured. I've got five different entities. and But then the follow-up question is, how are they communicating with each other? So these are some of the communications that I had when I was out there at the event was, what are your entities being used for? They should all have a specific purpose. So when we sit down with that individual, we say, where's your privacy and your protection? How are your tax benefits being utilized? And how are you showing yourself as a business, right? Because- What do you mean showing yourself? What, what does that mean? Just not only to your clientele, but to banks and lenders, right? What companies are you showing face with? And what companies are you using as an additional privacy or additional anonymity to got keep it. name off of the books? Got it, got it, got it. Does that make sense? What? Yeah, what's, so, so in that scenario, I mean, kind of what- First off, let's let's take even one step back here because I think you know as we're sitting here talking, I think it's kind of important. What are the what are the kind of talk it real quick here about what are the different entity structures and what are the benefits of those structures and why people do you know S corp versus C corp LLC single member you know all that kind of stuff. Why don't we kind of talk about it for a second here? Yep. No, I love that. And while I do it, let me just I'll I'll just kind of give you some of what I have in place as well. I'll give you a couple different businesses that I've structured and how I've structured them so we can talk through it. I love that. That visual as well. So what I've done over the top, we have an excellent team of attorneys. I had them do a full estate plan. So trust, will, living will, power of attorney. Oftentimes when I speak with people, they'll say, well, I have a will in place, which is great, but if anyone's ever been through a probate that that's listening to this, they're extremely expensive and they take a long time. And in most states, having a living trust is what's going to avoid that probate. So if you have a will, that's great, but consider looking into to setting up some kind of a trust because avoiding probate is the the ultimate area where so a living trust basically gives the the local authorities, for lack of better ways of saying it, the the judge, um, the basically clear instructions on what you want to happen 
uh, as it relates to your estate. Correct. Yeah, they assign a personal representative. It goes into the probate bonds. It then goes to letters of administration. It's a long 10-step process that gets drawn out. And the longer that goes and the larger that the overall estate is worth, the more money that state is going to come in and obviously take from the bottom line as well. And so if you have clear instructions there, you're kind of streamlining that process, which basically means your wishes are being carried out. Um, but equally, um, you know, having got having, you know, unfortunately, somebody passed away a couple of years ago where it had to go through the probate process. To your point, if they don't have instructions, they have really no choice but to kind of take it through this probate process, which is just a pain in the ass versus, hey, here's where all the money is. Here are my wishes. Here's the plan, et cetera. It's just basically paint by numbers for, for them. I mean, is that an easy way to say it? 100%. It lays everything out. And regardless, whatever state that you're in, do a Google search, how to avoid probate in the state that you reside or the state that you own property in. And in most states, it's going to say a living trust is the easiest way to avoid probate. And then a step further, for those of you that like the documentaries like myself behind stories like this, Prince has got an amazing probate story. When he, when he passed, I think his estate was said to be about $80 million, and it took so long for it to finish that by the time it finished, it was worth $160 million, and the state stepped in and took like some $20 million, something ridiculous. Michael Jackson. Prince. Um, there's a lot of celebrities as well that those numbers seem a lot larger, but regardless of the scale, it's all relative based off of how the state's going to come in, how they're going to treat the probate, and also emotional scenarios where I want to make sure everything's going to my wife, to my daughter, to my mom, to my sister. And in a lot of cases, if the documentation isn't set up the way that it should, it could end up with fortunes and real estate. And well, even worse, I mean, I would argue that's horrible, but but I will tell you, watching it firsthand is is in a lot of cases, um, like you said, if this goes out for weeks or months or even years, the reality of it is, is in some cases, there's no income coming from any of that, right? It's all tied up in all of this. And so in the interim of getting settled, literally, you have relatives that you believe right now you have taken care of, but they will not see any money from, from your estate until this is all cleaned up. And all of that could be avoided. In other words, if you have your wife and your children there that you want them to be taken care of, you have a you know a responsibility to make sure they have access to all the things you put in place that potentially are going to, you know, theoretically set them up where they're gonna be just fine. Well, just fine is a figure of speech, man, because just fine. I've watched this firsthand when the, this property, when all this estate went through probate, that there was no money, zero coming uh, into a single uh, mother that, you know, her husband had just gotten killed in a car crash. And uh, there was a $3 million insurance policy. There was, you know, a lot, a lot of money that ultimately it took, you know, over a year ultimately ended up coming out. But in that interim period, I mean, there was a lot of anguish and suffering on top of all the emotional stuff that somebody is going through, dealing with the loss in and of itself. Now they have to go through and dig through all this stuff to try to recreate, 
you know, what the hell's actually going on just to satisfy the state so that they can get the money. And literally a great deal of that could have been avoided if somebody had just taken the time to get an estate plan in place. The, the emotional damage for the family that, that happens throughout that process as well. We had a client that was a dentist for about 20 years, um, never didn't have a bad bone in his body, no ill intentions whatsoever, passes away suddenly from a heart attack. And one of his patients ended up suing him for not finishing the dental work. It ended up taking five years to go through the probate process. And because the dental work wasn't finalized and the privacy wasn't put in place, they ended up taking a large portion of that estate that this dentist had created over those 20 years. So every situation's different. The more that you can give yourself that privacy and that protection. And here's, here's another thing that I think is interesting. Everyone's situation's different. That's why I think the legal and the financial side can become so overwhelming and can be put on the back burner is oftentimes when you ask a hundred attorneys, you get a hundred different variations of an answer. So underneath that estate plan, I then have a holding company that I set up out of Wyoming. So to talk a little bit about that, Delaware, Nevada, Wyoming, New Mexico, even Alaska, they have additional privacy and additional protection laws that allow for additional anonymity for the entrepreneur as a whole, right? Now, we lean towards Wyoming because it saves the client a little bit of money on an annual basis. But the goal of that holding company is ultimately for the privacy, right? My holding company doesn't do any business. It simply owns my other businesses. And so why is the privacy an issue there? So expand on that a little bit. So why, why, why is that a benefit? So if I was to, I'm based, I'm based out of Utah. We're out of Salt Lake City, Utah. And if I had a, a company that I simply set up in Utah and someone was to go and sue it, they would see my name and potentially my address if I was a part of a lawsuit. For me, I just want that privacy. I don't want people to know where my baby girl's sleeping. I don't want people to know where my personal home is, right? I feel like as an entrepreneur, there's enough that I put myself out there. I want to have that privacy for what is home based. That makes sense. Yep, I got it. So my U my Utah entity is actually owned by my Wyoming company, my Wyoming holding company. And so let's just go through a very real scenario. This happens all the time, especially when you own rentals that somebody slips and falls inside of one of your, let's just say a very real example, you own a rental portfolio, five or six homes in Utah uh, through your LLC. And if the, as that LLC, if, if there was not, it was easily disclosed, they could go and find you, so any these ambulance chaser, very litigious attorneys, find you, quickly figure out whether or not you have assets in place that are worth suing. And from that, they could back into this. You become a very viable target if somebody, and if you don't think this happens, you are absolutely crazy because yeah. um, I've had it happen to me, where they then understand that you are a high value target because of, they were able to get your information. 
And then ultimately somebody slipped and fell in the place and what, you know, somebody was clearly, they were in the wrong. They were acting like drunken idiots. I mean, I'll give you a real, I'll give you a perfect example of this. This, because this is the, I had a, I had a property that I was rehabbing. It was owned by one of my LLCs. Um, The LLC had my attorney as the um, trustee on it. Right. So I wasn't even listed as it. Um, probably the registered agent as well. Registered agent. That's exactly what I, the term I was looking for. Uh, so they couldn't really see who I was. And uh, I had some guys that were removing windows, replacing windows, and they thought it would be cute. A couple guys thought it'd be cute to punch out the windows instead of just taking them out. And one of the kids punched out the windows and cut an artery on his wrist and almost died inside of the property, just being an idiot, literally had nothing to do with this, right? Uh, attorney got that and they immediately started barking and you know coming and long story short, uh, the only entity that they could go after was the entity that actually owned the property. And because my client, my attorney was in between it, um, they figured out real quick that we weren't a viable target, right? And where they started Mouthing off at one part and then quickly figured out that this wasn't going to go anywhere. And so that backed them off real quick from us. Um, no insurance claims, nothing. I mean, I gave the guy a few hundred dollars to pay for his emergency room visit. But the reality was, is it was a no fault of mine. We had no responsibility to do any of that. But if that had been in my name and or I was my privacy was not protected, then they could have quickly figured out a lot of information. And I would have been highly, highly vulnerable in that situation. So to your point, if you have properties that are owned, um, but they then are owned by a holding company sitting in one of these other states that are that are locked down on privacy. There's literally no place for an attorney to go to try to figure out what the hell is going on. There's no there's no solution to the problem when they are just looking to find out who's the viable target, who do they have an insurance, who can we sue, all that kind of take gets taken off the table, which then protects you. That's one reason. Correct. Yeah. And you, I mean, you gave that couple hundred dollars out of the kindness of your heart, right? Right. The way that you, the way that you structured that where your attorney was the middleman is the way to do that. But you can also accomplish that with these registered agents. Exactly. Where your address and your name don't have to be listed. And in a lot of states, most states, your name has to be listed. So we take that away by having, you can't avoid getting sued. There's an average of 75 new lawsuits that are filed every minute. Right. But to your point, the ambulance chasers, the, the Sue happy world, there's more millionaires made in real estate than any other industry. So naturally the top three reasons are real estate related, breach of contract, slip and fall, premises liability. But in that scenario, they go to sue my Utah entity and they then see it's owned by another business out of Wyoming where I don't have to disclose who the owner of that holding company is. So if it's serious enough where they're taking me to court, they have to sue the Utah entity to get to that Wyoming. And one, that's going to make it more difficult. But two, that's going to give me that privacy and the protection and the peace of mind of knowing. Well, and and I mean, again, just look at it from their perspective. Again, when it comes to ambulance chases and that kind of stuff, they're just looking for the low hanging fruit, right? They're just looking for a quick little insurance settlement, whatever. They don't actually do any work. So if you can create these effective complications and barriers and protection mechanisms, it just makes perfect logical sense. I mean, for the 
Um, I mean, this is not a hard conversation, right? Get your estate in place and then get your entities set up correctly. You know, that, that you're adding just these layers of, of, for multiple reasons here. And we've literally just talked about two. keep going on your example. So the holding company, keep going down the ladder. So then from there, what I've done is I have two separate entities for active and passive. One of the most common questions that I get, Tommy, how many properties should I put in one LLC? How many doors should I put in one LLC? Once again, there is no one right answer. What we try and do in that scenario, when we sit down with somebody, we try and weigh their risk tolerance, right? If you have 100 doors, you care a lot less about one door than if you have five doors. So what is your risk tolerance? What are your liabilities? What are your equities? Once we have a better idea of what that looks like, we can decide how many doors per LLC makes sense for you. Everyone's situation's different. It's hard to get a straight answer for that reason. Yeah, but because I mean, you could have some guy that's got, that owns five doors at 50 grand a pop, but you could also have some guy that's got, you know, owns one door at $5 million. I mean, that's those are two very different scenarios, right? And so, yeah, I love that answer. And then from there with the active versus the passive income as well. So what we're oftentimes when we're setting up LLCs, we're doing it for asset protection more than anything else. But if I'm wholesaling or if I'm fix and flipping, then that is considered active or ordinary income that's taxed at the highest rate. We're taxed between 10 and 37%. That's where I'm probably going to look at changing that LLC so that it's taxed like an S corporation. Very, very simple process. It's one form. We submit it into the IRS for you. It's free. That changes your LLC so it's taxed like an S corp where you pay yourself a salary or a distribution. And it also allows you to avoid half of your self-employment tax, which is Medicare, Social Security. That ends up saving you seven to eight percent. And that's where I want to take my deductions. If I'm getting taxed between 10 and 37 percent, I want to take as many deductions as I possibly can there to mitigate my tax tax risk. Where with my passive investments, if I have long-term buy and holds, short-term rentals are tricky. They kind of fall in the middle depending on how you're operating them. But if I have a lot of rentals that are more long-term, my tax rate zero to 20%. So I want to separate those out, not only for liability, but that's a 17% tax haircut right off the top. Yeah. As opposed to, you know, so tax wise, asset protection wise, how are we separating out our businesses and why? I that's the that. strategy that we would want to really break down. Keep going, brother. What else on, on this? I mean, this is this is this is good stuff, man. I mean, I know these are a lot of the questions. The reality of it is, is that I mean, I, I know you guys run into these situations every day. I know I run into it every every day. This is not a static thing. I mean, the reality of it is, is if you're in real estate, um, you're probably and you're and you're successful at it. Um, you're probably continuing to expand. You're probably continuing to add different asset classes. You know, active versus passive. You're probably getting into different scenarios that maybe you weren't in last time you put your estate together or last time you were doing tax planning. This is a pretty, uh, this is a living, breathing thing. Talk about the importance of really kind of keeping this all, you know, on a, what, what, is a, at, what is a typical client, you know, at a, a high level client, I'm not talking about a brand new person, but a typical high level client, how often are you guys, you know, do you think is the right cadence for you to be talking to them? If, if, they're, a, if they're a tax client of ours, 
we really like to talk to them at least on a quarterly basis. Because if we were to break the year into quarters, January, February, March, quarter one, April, May, June, quarter two, going into the fourth quarter should feel like a business spending spree to a lot of extents of, Kent, congratulations, you had an awesome year. Either you're going to pay X amount of dollars in the form of taxes or purchase more real estate. Let's do a cost segregation study or let's do some accelerated depreciation around real estate. Or what can you invest into from a marketing standpoint, from a software standpoint? If you have a great year, I would rather make those investments in the fourth quarter of the year where it feels like a business shopping spree and it allows me to grow and scale my business going into the next year. Yeah. People oftentimes make the mistake of just gathering all their documentation January, February, March, and it's too late. That's where you catch yourself saying, oh, I'll deal with this next year. If we could have the planning on a quarterly basis and the execution in the fourth quarter of the year from a tax standpoint, that's how you're really going to keep more money in your corner. A lot of people ask like, Tommy, what's a magic tax tip that's going to save me thousands of dollars in taxes, right? And I could rattle off the vehicle deduction of writing off over 6,000 pounds or the mileage, the, the health savings accounts, the 401 contributions. But the way to beat the IRS in the tax game is chipping away throughout the year. If you're tracking your expenses and you have a method to your mad, madness from a system standpoint, that's how you're really going to make the major differences. It's the small expenses that make a major difference throughout the course of a year. So have that system in place of how you track your expenses. That's my number. All right. So I want to, I want to cut to brass tacks, right? I don't want to, I don't want to beat around the bush here because the reality of this is, is that anybody that's listening to this, that is a real business owner. Um, that is, I, I mean, there's zero doubt in my mind, the vast majority of the people that are out there doing this, uh, or that are running a business they're, they're, whether it is their estate plan, whether there's their tax planning, whether there's entity structure, um, there's room for improvement, right? I mean, I've yet to meet one company that that one person that that was not the case, including myself, by the way, um, which you guys have helped me with. At the end of the day, if you were going to describe your, you know, your perfect client that comes in here, let's talk about, hey, if somebody came to me and they were, they were, you know, they were doing this kind of business uh, in the real estate space, you know, with this kind of volume. Um, they are looking to accomplish X, Y, or Z. What does it look like? You know, what do they need to have prepared for you? What it, you know, like to to really take advantage of what it looks like to work with Prime? Because clearly, I want our people to come to Prime, right? Because you guys have been so good to so many of our members over the years. But what what is it that you know? We got guys out there that have built up few million dollars net worth, two, three, four, five, maybe even $10 million net worth. They've got a lot of rentals. They run in a very, very active flipping business as well. They maybe own a property management company, whatever the case may be. And they come to you, typically the calls I'm getting is, Kent, do you have a great accountant? Kent, do you have a great tax guy? Kent, do you have a great, you know, whatever. In order for them to be, to, to move quickly or quicker, I should say, not quickly, but and get their shit together in a place to where, hey, man, they can actually make some meaningful moves, you know, on a consistent basis with you guys. Tell me what that looks like. 
I, I think going into the call when you're speaking with us, just help us understand where you are currently. If you're brand new, let us know you're brand new. I know there's not a lot of new people in, in this tribe and in this boardroom, but let me use an example of one of your boardroom members. Um, I spoke with a couple of weeks ago, once, once we got back from your event, he had everything laid out on a spreadsheet of how many entities he already had in place. He had his holding company, he had his subsidiaries, he had the estate planning in place. And when we looked at what he had, one of the areas where he fell a little bit short was from a privacy standpoint. When we talked about what we talked about here today in regards to keeping his name and his address off of all his information, it was one area of opportunity that he could have done differently from the beginning but because he had so much in place and so many moving parts, it made it didn't make sense to make all the major changes to change everything right now. It made more sense to change it moving forward. So yeah. if you already have a bunch of entities in place, if you already have hundreds of doors and a bunch of different entities, when you go to that call, just help us understand what you have in place, what that entity owns, and what you use it for on a daily, monthly, or annual basis so that we can help you understand what's worth changing, what's worth phasing out, and what's worth completely restructuring as a whole because that answer is going to vary for everybody. But just tell us what you have from the very beginning so we don't- What about, what about, is it helpful, you know, these guys bring like last year's financials, last year's tax statements, last, you know, what their current balance sheet looks like, income statements. I mean, I'm sure all that kind of stuff kind of helps paint a full picture for you guys because I think ideally, you know, if this were me, I would we I would want I I would want to immerse myself in the experience with you guys to where, hey man, I want a, I want a comprehensive understanding of how we accomplish ultimately my goals together. Does that make sense? I love that. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. And I when you put it that way, if I was also taking advantage of this, I would come to it with my previous year tax return and a breakdown of what my entity structure looks like now. Yeah. Whether that's you drawing it out on an Excel spreadsheet or whether that's you freehand drawing it and sharing it on the screen when you speak to one of our representatives on Zoom, whatever that looks like, I would say your previous year's tax return and your current entity structure is going to go a long way for us to help you understand how to save more money in tax, how to protect yourself and give yourself that privacy. I think the tax strategy component, man, is a huge, huge part of this. I mean, I think that, I think that if you, you know, if you guys can help guide them, which I know you can, but really guide somebody on, on a real effective one, a state plan and tax strategy, which clearly under was entity structure the part of that. Um, then you know, having a bookkeeper in place that's keeping up with with the books and also, you know, I mean, you guys do the tax filings, but basically having a, if, if you had an eternal CPA or CFO, all those things don't really replace. I mean, those are those are components of your core business, but that doesn't really place this outside, um, for lack of better ways of saying it, consulting arm and tax prep arm that really helps guide it. And I think that was a big epiphany for me probably about 10 years ago that for a long time, I just, man, I have a bookkeeper and I have my attorney and, you know, I have my accountant and my CPA is really good at what, what he does. But I think there's, 
you know, it really took uh, guys like you know Steve and yourself and, and others over the years to help me understand that there's a whole nother thing that when you want to get wealthy, right? And it's and it is a lot of it, but it has to do with again estate planning. A lot of it has to do with tax strategy. A tremendous amount of it has to do with tax strategy. A lot of it has to do with entity structure. You know, there's all kinds of of ancillary benefits of having another set of eyes that's invested in your success, really looking at this global picture of what the hell you're doing. And they play with your team members, but they don't necessarily replace your team members. I mean, you've got, again, there's a lot of people that have good CPAs in place. There's a lot of people that have good bookkeepers in place, or maybe even somebody internal, whatever the case may be. But this outside component is extremely, extremely powerful, just strictly from a the breadth of knowledge that you guys have and, you know, helping a hundred thousand different business owners navigate this stuff. I think that that is extremely, extremely valuable. And I think that, you know, anybody that in any way, shape or form, I mean, look, here's the, what, what, what is a typical customer, you know, have to pay with you guys in a year? Uh, usually you're going to be between thousand. Uh, I mean, the tax really varies. You're a thousand to $5,000, depending on how many businesses you have, but Cost wise, it's very, very competitive. Well, let's, 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 you already have all those things. Let's triple it, right? If it was $15,000, the reality of it is, is that how hard is it to implement a simple strategy when you've got guys that are making hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars a year? A simple strategy here or there, like you alluded to earlier, tweaks here, you know, wind this thing down, ramp this thing up, set this up differently. I mean, it's, one lawsuit or it's one experience of putting your family through probate or it's, you know, overpaying in taxes, like you're talking about, you know, setting it up as an S corp where it's passing through versus keeping it in, you know, I mean, it's only one strategy every single year. If it was 15 grand, you would get, you know, you would five X the return on that investment over and over and over and over and over again. I mean, I just, to me guys, this is, um, if you don't have somebody in your corner right now who completely lives this and breathes this every single day, which none of us do, you know, we're running our businesses, then I think you guys, you know, owe it to yourself to um, reach out to Tommy, reach out to Steve, reach out to the entire team there and just at a minimum set up a freaking phone call, right? And come prepared to understand that. This is this is not a situation. And again, I want to frame this correctly. I'm taking, you know, I'm, I'm definitely slowing down to make sure I frame this correctly. You only have to be right once for this to pay off in spades over and over and over and over and over again. It is, I can't, you know, with my wealth strategist, uh, including you guys, it's, you know, one thing I can do to offset taxes that relate that ultimately results in hundreds of thousands of dollars. And when it comes pound over, over my lifetime, it turns into millions of dollars in being able to hold on to it instead of paying it to Uncle Sam, hold on to it and continue to compound it and build more wealth. It, it, this is not a cost, right? This is, an, a, this is a very strategic and logical investment into protecting wealth the single biggest wealth extraction event in your life over and over and over will be taxes, period. And getting ahead of this in a meaningful way is so, so powerful. I mean, you agree with that, Tommy? 
hundred percent. I agree. I mean, we, we had one client this year that simply by making that LLC into an S corporation saved her $60,000. And we, we got the S corp election in right in the nick of time. But if we did that the year before she would have saved 40. If we did it the year before she would have saved about 15, I think it was. And to your point, it's not about where you are right now. It's where you're going to be in three years, five years, 10 years. 100%, brother. And that compound is unbelievable when you really break it down of how much money can go into, some people want to put it into a retirement account. Some people want to put it into more real estate. It's one move that means thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of dollars from a tax saving standpoint. Well, and then, I mean, and then just, I mean, again, having people on your side and inside of our tribe that when you have exposure to, um, again, a lot of the, the tax code is clearly written by the wealthy, right? And most people don't take advantage of all of the different opportunities that are in there um, to ultimately avoid taxes by being very strategic, whether that is buying real estate or whether that is in, you know, insurance policies or, you know, there's all kinds of, of mechanisms to mitigate and minimize your tax benefits. But if you're working with the same CPA you worked with when you were making $50,000 a year and you're now making 5 million, that is a grave error because the same guys or girls that got you, uh, that deal dealt with you at that level are not equipped, at least in my professional opinion, not equipped to deal with you when it comes to actually managing real wealth. And it is a completely different set of rules. It is a completely different set of conversations and having exposure to it. Ultimately, you're going to, you as the customer are going to make all the decisions, but I mean, God almighty, why would you not want exposure to what the real opportunities are out there and make those kinds of decisions? I mean, let me just give Uncle Sam a quarter of a million dollars, or I can take that, take that same quarter of a million dollars and go do something else with it that potentially creates passive income, potentially creates, you know, other opportunities for me, avoids giving, you know, if I can invest it inside of an asset strategically, because I'm being, I'm gaining that information versus giving it to uncle Sam and get a tax benefit out of it. Why the hell would you not want to know that? I mean, so to me, this is just kind of uh, a pretty silly conversation and it's unfortunate that it is, that it is, uh, I mean, you guys are in a, a terrific business and you're doing terrific work trying to get the word out there and really help people to get more exposure to it and make it more normalized. But the reality of it is, is the vast majority of people walk around out there and either they are misinformed and they they view this as a static situation. And so therefore they believe they've got it handled. And to your point earlier, oh, I've got a will in place, but I don't have a living trust in place. Just misinformed. And one you know, piece of misinformation is, could be costly. And then something like that, or they're just burying their head in the sand and have no information. And basically like, I'll figure it out someday. And to me, that's just r ridiculously irresponsible. So when, when you made the comment about the tax code being made by the wealthy, I, I think back, so 2016, when Hillary and Trump are running against each other in one of the debates, they're both like pointing fingers at each other, talking about holding companies out of Delaware that neither one of them lived in Delaware. They're arguing about the exact same thing in different ways. And I couldn't help, I'm, I'm thinking to myself like, okay, nothing's gonna change from a tax standpoint. So regardless of who's in office, it's expensive to run a campaign. 
there's always going to be changes. There's every year there's changes within the tax code, but oftentimes they're going to be ways that are favoring the businesses that they run. So what are the businesses they run? What deductions? Every year, those tax code changes that come out, last two years, they said business meals are 100% deductible. And there's always areas of opportunity. That's the low-hanging fruit. The IRS is the largest collection agency in the world. They're looking for that low-hanging fruit. And if, as entrepreneurs, we can take that same low-hanging fruit from a tax code standpoint and from a tax code change, there's wins everywhere. And every year there's new tax codes that you can take advantage of. So. Well, I mean, to that point, dude, I mean, it, it always cracks me up when people get so pissed off. And it's, this, this back to, is back to my point earlier. It's the um, misinformed, right? The ignorant people. They, they get so pissed off at, you know, when they hear that Donald Trump hasn't paid, and I, this is not political at all. I'm just using it as an example. Yeah. Paid no taxes after he had a billion dollar loss, right? And paid no taxes, I guess, for the better part of 10 years. Um, and then you see these big billionaires that, that pay very, very little in taxes. And the reality of this is, guys, is that that's our tax code. Yep. They're not doing one thing illegal. They're not doing one thing that is not completely condoned and is written literally in the rules that say you can do these things. If you get pissed off about it, but yet you don't do anything inside of your own business to take advantage of all the opportunities there, then shut the fuck up. I mean, it's that simple. I mean, you have the, the rules are the rules. And if you are watching this, you have in all likelihood, you're in real estate um, or you're running a successful business. And there's a big difference. I say this all the time, big difference between the hustler and being a high income earner and just making money and being a CEO, being somebody who's strategic, being somebody who's building real wealth. Um, and I have a lot of friends like this that they, you know, they make five to $10 million a year. It's all 100% uh, directly uh, a derivative of their effort. And they are being taxed in the highest tax bracket. It is, you know, some, they're either flipping or they're, you know, really good at ads or they run an agency. I mean, it's literally as high as they could be taxed. And if they just deployed that capital by, because they were working with somebody like Prime or, or and, and getting this full picture, hey, if we just took this amount of money in the fourth quarter and we deployed it into this asset class or into this mechanism or took advantage of this thing, it would, you would pay no taxes are certainly reduce your tax liability dramatically. So if you want to get wealthy, then you do what the wealthy do. And they play by the rules that are laid out right in front of them that every one of us have the opportunity to play by. If you want to, you know, be a high income earner, but yet sit around and piss and moan that you aren't really building wealth. Well, that's a choice, certainly a choice after a call like this. Um, if you're hearing this, just how hard is it to have a conversation? You know, go get on the phone with these guys as, and as, you know, Tommy's laid out, get your shit together to where these are my entities. This is what my, you know, corporate structure looks like or doesn't look like. This is where I'm trying to take this business to. This is where I want to take my life to. This is ultimately where, you know, the net worth I'm trying to build. Here's, you know, what my balance sheet looks like, my assets, my liabilities, you know, all... And let them start to help you to put together a plan. It is that simple.
And I never said it's going to be easy, but I will tell you it is simple and straightforward. I love it. Yeah, thank you for that. And that's what it's all about. I, I obviously as affiliates as well, we'll get you over. I, I know that you have a link. Maybe we could put it in the show notes or something below yep. where everyone that's listening can take advantage of that free content. And quite frankly, dude, I don't give a shit whether you use my link or not. I'll put it in here. The reality of it is, is I believe in this. So whether you use my link or not is kind of irrelevant. I want you to go to Prime Corporate Services. I want you to engage and I want you to arrange a call. And if you get on the call, tell them Kent sent you. That's cool. But it isn't about that for me. What I really care about here is that, look, I know the difference between being a hustler and being a high income earner and being somebody who is on the path to creating real wealth. And I know it is decisions like this that get amplified over a five, 10, 15, 20 year period, very significantly. And I don't care where you are in your journey, if you're just getting started or if you've been at this for a long time, get in the right game now and get around the right people now. We've gone to great lengths to surround ourselves with the right people. Tommy and Steve are at the top of that list. I want you to get in the game the right way. It is that simple. And that's the reason why I want Tommy to get on here and kind of talk about this is because, you know, I just kind of joked at the beginning, you know, it's not a sexy subject. It's an easy subject to get pushed around and neglect, et cetera. But it would probably be one of the most costly and take it from somebody who did it for years that basically, you know, kind of just ignored it. Um, probably one of the most costly decisions that you could ever make. I mean, if you, average person sitting on here watching this right now is probably somewhere between the age of 35 and 55. My question to you, if you could go back to yourself and, and give yourself any kind of advice at 20 years old, what would you tell them? And there's a list of shit that you would tell them, oh, you know, you want to save more money. You want to invest in these types of things. You want to invest in these types of asset classes. You want to buy more rental properties, all these things. This one thing, I'm telling you right now is exactly what you should be about going back to your 20 year old self and telling get at the get this at the top of the list. Get your shit right from the very beginning when you actually didn't want to think about it and then revisit it every single quarter because you'll watch your wealth explode because you're actually paying attention and managing it. I love it. Yeah, the average business owner leaves around $9,000 a year on the table. That includes businesses that don't make any money. So that number multiplies so quickly as you generate more wealth. And I think you hit it on the nail. It's it's not going anywhere. I wish it was something that they taught more in school. I I, I joke all the time that I had to go to school to, to learn algebra, but algebra season never comes. Tax season's here every year. The more that you either have a team that can help you with it, or the more that you can educate yourself around investments that will help you from a tax standpoint, you're winning in both sides. You know what? That's a really good point. Let me just, let me echo that real quick. Cause I think that's where some people probably get stuck. Uh, this is not training, ladies and gentlemen. Nobody's going to try to train you on the tax code. Nobody is going to try to suddenly make you into an accountant. Nobody is going to try to suddenly, you know, um, take you through the, you know, the, all of the, the hurdles and the gauntlet of what it looks like to understand everything there is about the tax code. And when people, you know, there's a lot of people that avoid this because it's overwhelming. I am not a tax expert. I am not an entity structure expert. I am not a 401k self-directed IRA software household. I'm not, I'm not an expert at just about anything. Um, what I am an expert at is surrounding myself with people that matter 
that are experts in their field. And that is what I would tell you the way you approach this. This is not about you becoming an expert. This is about you surrounding yourself and adding people uh, and investing in people and investing in yourself, adding experts to your arsenal, right? If, if this is an insurance policy, I got people that are right here that have got my back, that understand my business and what I'm trying to accomplish. And they're working in lockstep with me to help me achieve that through mechanisms that I don't know one thing about. That's simple. And who the hell doesn't want that on your team, right? It doesn't have to be in your day-to-day business. There's somebody that's at the high strategic level, making sure that all the T's are crossed, all the I's are dotted to make sure that you are maximizing everything you're doing in your day-to-day, plain and simple. So anyway, Tommy, I appreciate it, brother. I mean, I'm keep on harping on this. I will make sure that in the show notes, we put the to put the link there. Uh, if somebody wants to reach out to you on social, how do they get in touch with you? Just prime corporate services on everything, Facebook, Instagram, you name it, prime corporate services and follow us on those. We try and do a tax tip of the week, tax tip Tuesdays, try and put something out every week to keep you thinking. Some of them will be relative to you and others won't. But if it keeps you thinking throughout the year and it saves you a couple thousands of dollars in taxes, we've done our part. And you go over there and you get and you start working them and tell them that you heard about it here on this podcast. Uh, tell them Kent sent you. If you're a board member, tell them you're a board member. Like he said, just you know, kind of lay it all out there. Like, hey, this is who I am. This is what I'm a part of. And this is where I'm trying to go. And guys, these are the best in the business. They will lay it out for you. And um, if there's an opportunity, they're going to they're gonna tell you how to take advantage of it. And there's not an opportunity. They're going to tell you that as well. I mean, you might be the anomaly who's got all this shit tightened. And you, know, the, you might be the one in 100,000 where there is nothing for you to do. I doubt it. I hope you are. But if you're not, then there's obviously an opportunity there for you. So, Tom, I appreciate it, man. This has been great. Thank you, Kent. Pleasure as always. Thank you for having me. All right, my man. Peace. Talk soon. Hey, it's Kent. Thanks for listening. Just want to invite you to please subscribe to our channels on all major platforms, as well as share this with your friends. And in fact, if you share it on social media, make sure you tag me. It's at Kent Clothier. Love to shout you out. Look forward to talking to you soon.